Jacques Shore is a lawyer and partner with Gowling WLG. Is that WLG new? Uh, yes, uh, but, well, four years old. It stands for Rag Lawrence Graham, which is a law firm that we basically combined with about four years ago, and we have a global presence now. So, oh, okay. from the roots of Ottawa, Gowling, as it was known, Gowlings, and even before that, Gowling and Henderson, yeah. has uh, certainly grown around the world. We're very proud of that. Very good. So, you are the, among other things, the chair of the Library and Archives Canada Foundation, which was established in, what, April 2019? Exactly. Welcome to the Bibliophile. We actually began, I, 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 I will admit, because we've got a, a, just a terrific board of individuals um, that I like to describe as great Canadians, and we actually started our work about two years before that, when we essentially had our Library and Archives Canada Strategic Advisory Committee, which ultimately recommended and recognized the need for the foundation, and we moved from there to, okay. to actually launching the foundation then. So a fair bit of work took place in advance of that. Very good. Okay. So, and now you're about a year in. A year and a bit, and uh, it was certainly, I, I, I say that uh, we are a year in, and uh, we are focused in spite of these challenging and unprecedented days of, of COVID-19, as you probably know, we had to postpone our second annual Scholars Awards, Library and Archives Canada Foundation Scholars Awards, which was to take place on April the 22nd. But uh, we're very motivated to do as much as we can in these uh, interesting times. So you're one year and one pandemic in. Yeah. I'm hoping that by next year we will be one pandemic out and we'll be rid of that completely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So welcome to the Bibliophile. Thank you. Okay, you talked about the need. So what was the need? What's the need for a foundation? Um, well, let me just let me just start off by saying that you know when we look at the incredible collection that that exists at Library and Archives Canada, which which, as you know, really does hold the treasures, I think, to such an extent of, of our country. You know, whether it's um, documentary materials, books, artifacts. When one looks at other institutions, we can see that there are individuals that are passionate about those institutions and recognize the value and need for a foundation to be able to provide additional assistance through funding for programs that might not happen otherwise. When we look, for example, in, the, in, in our nation's capital, and I'm very proud of what we have when you look at the National Gallery of Canada, you look at the National Arts Centre, of which of the latter I've been quite involved in over, over the years. Uh, let me just add as well, I, I have to say that here you are on a radio station, CK. CU, which is uh, Carleton University, where I'm proud to say I'm a past chair of, of the board, recognize that even there, when we're involved in these kinds of endeavors, we look for additional funding because there's only so much that might come from, from government. Jacques, that was about a hundred years ago. 
CKC is not part of your your show right now? No, I it was great. I started off doing a show there for about a year, but I was on at six o'clock in the morning, and uh, it was just too brutal. So, so I I jumped to the to the podcasting site so that I could. I could do this whenever I wished. I see. So I thought I might be able to still hear you on CKCU in the morning, and even 6 a.m. I think the beauty of the podcast is you get to put that on whenever you want and just pop it into a show if you do that. Exactly. Well, yeah. that's a smart way to go for sure. But to answer your question, I mean, there there are many roots as how I came to to the role that I that I am very honored to have as the chair of Library and Archives Canada Foundation. And it really started from several perspectives. And as I was preparing and thinking about, you know, this this conversation I was going to have with you, I thought of the people. I mean, life is about relationships. Life is about how we walk through life, who we meet, who influences us, who actually, you know, motivates us to what we do. Who we and love and who loves us. That's right. You know, and sometimes, unfortunately, who doesn't love us and who we don't love, but that influences <laughs> us in certain ways. Sure. We know how we want to be and how we might not want to choose to be. Right. But in my case, I was very fortunate in the context of Library and Archives Canada. It was actually Ron Cohen, who at the time was the pre ah. president of Friends of Love Library and Archives Canada. And I look at uh, Ian Wilson, who was just such a remarkable man as the first librarian and archivist of, of Canada which she took on that role from having been the, the archivist of Canada. Following, you know, following that work that I did uh, on behalf of clients, I do a fair bit in the cultural side, and I was actually involved in a particular negotiation initiative, which I think was of great benefit to Library Archives Canada, and that gave me a better sense of what was going on in that institution. What was that? Not long after it became what it what it did. What was and, that? You know, uh, in linking both libraries and archives. What was and, that, Jacques? You know, and then what happened was, I was very fortunate. I happened to love the law. I love working as I do with my clients and in my firm, but I also have a passion for, for writing, and I wrote children's stories, and I was given the opportunity of having two of my children's books launched at Library and Archives Canada. So there was a certain link that I felt with that, recognizing the incredible collections which it possesses an amazing building as it is also on Wellington it's now a building that's actually owned by essentially by by government services but you know there were so many different elements to it and when I met um, with Guy Bertillon who is the previous uh, Library and Archivist of Canada in Quebec dealing with particular issues because at the time he was a Quebec Library and Archivist we, we essentially built a friendship. When he moved to his new position in Ottawa, we had many discussions. I introduced him to, you know, to a few individuals. I felt you know, strongly that it was important for him to actually get a chance to, you know, to, to uh, quickly engage in the Ottawa environment. And he was kind enough to, to share with me occasionally some of the challenges that he would have in terms of being able to you know, to, to be able to grow and do certain things with respect to the collection. And, and I think he also felt that I had a strong sense for what uh, incredible opportunities lie there to share the stories of Canada, to say who we are to Canadians, to share also, you know, information relating to our culture, to our history, to our values. Not That wouldn't just be here within the boundaries of Canada, but could also be shared 
outside this country as well, to tell others who we are, what we are, and maybe even what we still have to learn. And in the context of my many conversations with Guy, he asked whether I would be willing to take on this role of determining whether we may be able to create a foundation. So that really was the start. I can tell you, it didn't take me very long to agree this was important. The few people that I reached out to all agreed that for an institution such as Library Arts Canada, because it's a unique one, it is within Canadian heritage, so it doesn't have that standalone component as other galleries or museums may have or as crown corporations. It's within a department because it has such an important role, obviously, as you know, as as an archive, as the you know, documentary deposit for the for the country. But at the same time, it had such a rich collection, such an important role in being able to engage meaningfully across the country. And I say that in the context of, of Live and Across Canada, you know, from coast to coast to coast, Canada is our library. It is. And if that's the case, then we have to do everything we can to engage Canadians, other institutions, other libraries, other you know, uh, archives, institutions as well, to meaningfully create and to strengthen the partnerships that are there. I'm also very focused on education. All we have to do is look at where we are today in the world. We look at some of the challenges that we face, both here in Canada, clearly, looking at the neighbors also down south. In, you know, in my estimation, education is so much the antidote, essentially, to dealing with many of the things we are facing right now. And I love the ability of being able to learn from our past, understand where we've come from, and hopefully that will allow us to, to engage meaningfully in ways that will improve us and may be able to improve others as well. You've also asked me, I, I think you asked me earlier, how I feel about books and I come from a family essentially of jurists, uh, doctors, but also writers. My mother was did many things. She was a philosopher. She was a writer. She was an educator. She'd written many books. She was a, a, a she built bridges. I think books are magnificent ways of building bridges, and my mother did that incredibly well. And I tried to borrow from that, so that there is instilled in me a wish that what we do at Library Archives Canada what we do under the wonderful direction of a fantastic and a wonderful woman, our, our librarian archivist, she's so distinguished in her, in her role, Leslie Weir, with, with her leadership and with an amazing board that we have of our foundation, can really enhance the opportunities, can really create opportunities. And I, I, I can't help but think about you know, the book, I'm sure you read the book by Susan Orlean, Library Book, mm -hmm. yep. which was one of the best sellers a couple of years ago. And I love and I made reference to this actually at the launch of, of our foundation, where she says books are a sort of cultural DNA, the code for who as a society we are and what we know. All the wonders and failures, all the champions and villains, all the legends and ideas and revelations of culture last forever in books. Well, I got to say it's, it's, it's this reason and much more that we really also take into account the archives within the astounding collection of Library Archives Canada. So we're tasked to protect it, but we're also tasked to promote it. And by virtue of being able to do that, you know, I, I am convinced 
that we will be able to add the kind of value that is important that we actually add, you know, to really enhance the visibility of black and really position it as a creative force in our in our cultural ecosystem and, and to share knowledge of our essentially of our past and make that history more accessible helping inspire innovation and creation through its national and and and, uh, and regional programs that's very much what we want to be you know be able to to pursue as best as possible so we have a significant mission uh, you may you may have seen you know what we had prepared in our in a in a brochure that I must say was just, very much a heart and soul effort mm-hmm. you know but there's one one piece Nigel that I think you'll really appreciate when we say that what you know the foundation will focus on sharing the treasures of our past and making history accessible but it's also for the purpose of fostering innovation now and in the future and instilling inspiration to spark creation. I mean, it's, it's amazing how when I've seen, you know, kids walking through that, that Prime Minister exhibit that we actually had at Library and Archives Canada, the Wellington building, a few months back. You know, you just say, you see these kids and they say, wow, like they, they we're bringing life into the history. We're, we're sharing artifacts that go back to, to the, you know, to early days of Canada. And I love it when we can share with Canadians stories about our soldiers from the First and Second World War and immigrants. You know, our immigrant story. We are a nation of immigrants. And we also have to blend that in with the incredible, incredible history that we have of our, of our you know, indigenous roots here. Um, I'm, I'm a child of immigrants. I'm a first-generation Canadian. I, I appreciate these things. I recognize the importance of how blessed we are, and yet blessings we have, but also challenges that we have to to address some of the things from our past, and maybe that will also help others engage. So that's very much the, how can I say, inspiration for the development of a foundation, mm-hmm. the inspiration to make sure that we raise funds in ways that you know have not done before, and in ways that are done by other institutions that have you know less in their collections but you know but also great value to to what it is that we can offer well you mentioned the need uh, to start with the need i think on two fronts first of all funding of the library has been appalling over the last 25 years and the exhibition program has been non-existent so i would think that your participation is sorely needed because the political level hasn't been supporting Library and Archives Canada. Nigel, you know, as we look at the past, clearly, you know, there were some very positive things done. I think that it was quite remarkable that at a particular moment of time, you know, there was a decision made to bring together Library and Archives Canada, together, you know, from two institutions, and I really do credit Ian Wilson as well and Noel Carrier. They were just, you know, remarkable in being able to recognize that in a political force to do it. Yeah. Uh, one can say, you know, when you look at, you know, government funding, there are so many needs, then there are so many requirements, and there's only so much to go around. So, it's uh, a question of priority. Honest, I won't argue with you at all. That there are times where you know I think that there there wasn't sufficient funding put forward, and 
you've just said it so well in the sense priorities. What we don't want to do is necessarily always rely on government to address our priorities, which is exactly why you need a foundation. Mm -hmm. So we're very forward-looking, we're, we're very positive in the approach that we're taking, and we recognize that the thousands of dollars, or hopefully the millions of dollars that we will be able to, over time, you know, um, uh, raise for this remarkable institution will, you know, make all the differences in the world and so that we don't just have to rely on government because government has responsibilities for our health care, for our roads, for the environment. I mean, there are so many and I, I had the privilege of working in government many years ago now and I think about all those stresses and those pressures of how we got to address these issues through finance and treasury board and Nigel, I know you know that as well. But how remarkable when you look at something like the National Gallery of Canada or you look at the National Arts Centre. I mean, remarkable how over the last few years, you know, they have been able to raise funds and be able to put those institutions in, you know, into positions that they wouldn't have otherwise. That's yeah. my yeah. wish. That's my dream. Yeah. That we will be able to do things we couldn't do otherwise. I mean, I think it's a very positive thing. Uh, what you're doing and really necessary. Just want to reference a couple of a couple of the great uh, archivists and librarians over the years, Arthur Doherty and uh, Kay Lamb, and both of them during the 20th century made their priorities government priorities and took it right to the center. And I wonder if you see that as your role at all, to try to not just prioritize, but to make the political leaders understand that Canadian identity is really closely tied to National Library and Archives. Yeah. Well, there's no, there's no question that I would expect, you know, um, that there would be priorities very much aligned in terms of, you know, uh, the focus of what Library and Archives Canada should be doing in terms of promoting our culture, being able to tell our stories, um, and being able to do certain things like clearly, you know, digitizing much of his collection. It is absolutely amazing when we when we talk about collection. First of all, people do not necessarily know, and I'm just going to I'm going to answer your question in, in a moment, but. People don't recognize that effectively, you know, we've got 30 million photos there, 22 million publications, 3 million maps, 50 kilometers of archives, and 550,000 hours of audio and video recordings. You know, not to mention 425,000 works of documentary art. No, so I know, I know we've got, we have got an amazing collection. In fact, I think it's the fourth largest in the world, but nobody, precisely. nobody knows about it. Nobody sees precisely, it. Precisely, precisely. So, so to answer your question, I mean, I would think that there would be, you know, intersection with regard to what those priorities are. But I want you to know as well, Nigel, and I, I believe that you would fully agree. There are certain things that we would call, it would be nice if we could, or wouldn't it be wonderful if we could? I want us to be some of the wonderful if we could. And just like you said, we want more exhibits. So we'll be going out to corporations and some of those institutions in Canada to be able to help us do that. We're going to want to make sure that Canadians feel that they're going to donate 
15 or 20 or 25 dollars that may go towards buying something that we would not otherwise be able to buy or have a signature series even stronger than it is right now where we actually can have great Canadians coming to Library and Archives Canada speaking to audiences but then also putting that online that we can actually share those messages and and you know when you look at the costs which are obviously implicated in this endeavor already I mean we're now building a second preservation center I say hats off to Canada for them recognizing that that's a significant endeavor preservation is important but getting out to Canadians is absolutely even more important preservation you're right, Nigel. What's the point of preservation if we're not ba we're not demonstrating what's in there? And that's precisely what we want to do more of. We want to make it exciting because when you think about, and I heard you the other day a fantastic interview that you had with with Leslie Weir. You were talking about the Lucy Maud Montgomery, you know, collection. Nigel, you know about that, and. And there are others as well, but not nearly as many. But you obviously appreciate these things. That's what we want to be able to do more of. And there are collections out there that, you know, if they have a Canadian historical cultural value, we will want to be able to purchase those so that they are here. There may be times where other institutions in Canada would be better off doing that. But if they're going to do that, Nigel, we have to make sure that we can actually have those digitized, that we have an ability of being able to link in through our through our websites, so that this is accessible to every school child in every yep. classroom, yep. to every individual in their living room, anyone that wants to access that, and more to that, so that it can speak to others outside of Canada, tell yep. our story, to share who we are, what we are, all of those things that make this so exciting. We've got to be the competition in Netflix. That's my competition at the end of the day. Because yeah. we want people to, to learn, to, to internalize, but not just for themselves then, but then I use that word to spark creation, to spark yeah. innovation, add more into the public domain. Well, look at what's the greatest outburst of patriotism in the past couple of years? It's a bunch of American basketball players winning for the Toronto Raptors. Now, that's fine. That's great for the city. It's great for camaraderie. But what does it say about Canadian identity? Well, you know, I think one thing about Canadians is, you know, we like, we like to feel good. <laughs> we like to, we all like do. to enjoy good times, to be champions where we can be. And to your point, important to note, Library and Archives has the most unbelievable collection on sports materials. And we are actually working on making that more accessible to others because we know that's what Canadians want, what they look for. But it's not just so that they can actually look at maybe a team that's won or is winning. But what is it that made that team what it is to have succeeded, to have won? And how can we then take that and that messaging and place that in other areas of our lives, whether it's in science, in literature, in, in, you know, in math, and in whatever else it is that makes us the best so that we can actually help humanity. That really is the goal. Okay. So back in 1990, I think the archives budget was $110 million, and now it's $100 million. What are you going to be able to do as a foundation to get the government to pay more than that? 
Well, that's a that's a good question, Nigel. I, I want to tell you. I mean, I really do applaud you know this minister, this government, for the fact that they have obviously done as much as they have in the last in the last you know number of months, also in dealing with COVID nineteen. I'm very familiar with the initiatives underway to help the arts community, and you know I think that's a demonstration of their recognition of the importance of this. You know, I mean our our. Our, our, our Canadian flag, I think, is, you know, is very much about how, you know, we address culture and the arts and how we address these, you know, the, 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 our, our history. I think, I, think, I think the government recognizes that, but as a foundation, my hope is, because a foundation isn't really, it's not really an advocate. You know, we are a not-for-profit, a charitable organization, so it's not our task to advocate or more funding, but I'm confident by the good work that we do, I'm confident by what we share, what we show, there will be a recognition by those that pay attention to that government to, ne to necessarily appreciate the value of what that brings and their opportunity to engage further in that investment. You know, sometimes you have to invest funding for you to be able to access additional funding because it's sure. recognized how valuable that is. Well, it's like, uh, yeah, you have to sort of buff up your website, make yourself look good before someone's going to give you more money. You know, I think clearly we learn from the past. I mean, you know, when we when we look at, you know, where we've had, you know, highlights that have made a difference from that institution, and now we're about to embark, obviously, on a very, very new, you know, set of chapters as we are you know going to in 2025 be with the Ottawa library be much more accessible there'll be exhibition space yep. all those things then say we will be a greater part of this community but i hope we're also going to be able to grow that profile across the country and some of the other centers that's something that we definitely want to do which is why we have a board that is that you know that is reflects canada not just the national capital region yeah and i do want to make reference to to some of our board members because you know it is it is a, a terrific board to which I'm so honored to to be able to chair. Okay, and just just before we do I, that, I just want to introduce the fact that Canadians and Canadian corporations compared to American corporations are cheap. They they, they give about a third what uh, American corporations give. So are these board members, how are these board members going to get these cheap corporations to open up their wallets? Okay. Well, I, Nigel, I have, to, I have to tell you, that is a motivation certainly for us. I think that, you know, I'm seeing Corporate Canada, you know, in recent years maybe opening, you know, their, their wallets open maybe a bit, a bit further. I think it's very important that we demonstrate to any of these corporations the value. We can do that better too. I think that there is an there is an importance in doing that, and and the the level of engagement often comes from the innovative ways in which you can demonstrate the link to whatever organizations and its importance. Yep. I, I will share something with you. I learned something remarkably a number of years ago by being in touch with Nara and and at the time working with their archivist a gentleman by the name of Weinstein. He was just a wonderful, remarkable man. Who's this, uh, Jacques? One evening in Washington, D.C., and they did have corporate America there. And I thought, why can't we do this here? You know, it's incredible because it's one of the images that came to my mind as soon as Guy Bertillon asked me, would I engage? Because NARA wouldn't have nearly what it had 
you know, and it gets a significant amount of government funding, but that, that additional, oh my Lord, this is what you can do if you have some corporate funding in there, how wonderful. So we are very mindful of the importance of working with, you know, with companies across Canada. The first thing you have to do is, is explain what Library and Archives Canada is. And then the second question usually is, well, why would I have to give then, or why would we give to, you know, to an organization that is essentially a government entity? Wouldn't they already get it? Well, then there's a story that goes they, along with yeah, that. Yeah, they don't already get foundation? it. Give to universities. Why do we do all that? So we go through that. But, uh, you know, in addition to that, you know, it really does come down to demonstrating linkages. And I'm going to share something with you. I'm a very, I, I am someone that has tremendous respect for Air Canada. Air Canada came in as a founding sponsor on our Library and Archives Canada Scholarship Awards. And they did that after a tour that we had provided to their CEO, Kellen Ravanescu, and to one of their senior executive vice presidents, Ferio Pugiles. I was not believed how their eyes opened up because they were seeing videos of Trans-Canada Airways in the early days that they had not even known about, didn't know existed. And it just suddenly gave them a sense they're part of this institution as well. So we have a job to do. I want to be less critical of some of the companies because sometimes we don't know how to raise that profile and explain to them why they need to engage more, yeah. how important it could be. So I'm so grateful. We have a five-year relationship now with Air Canada as a founding sponsor. That's a huge part of our program. What was the deal? The deal was thirty thousand uh, dollars for five years, each of five years, and that's a remarkable contribution. So one hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. Okay. And I, I really, I'm proud because they knew that that was important for us, and we've not had that kind of a contribution from a from a company and for a fledgling foundation. And so we really, you know, we really do appreciate that. But that also includes, you know, some of those important add-ons that we would not. You know, we'd have to use other funding for that, which would include for our scholars that come in. Tell me a bit about the that kind of generosity from from others in other ways in other ways as well. Okay, so two questions: What do they get for their hundred and fifty, and what is this scholar thing that you're talking about? Well, okay, so what they get, I think, is like companies and organizations would get for their ability of being able to simply aside from having the satisfaction of knowing that they're doing something that otherwise might not happen in that way. Do they get um, their name on a building? No, they don't. They don't. But we certainly recognize and appreciate that. And you know what? I think if we actually embrace more companies to give them the opportunity to do those kinds of things, though, they will engage. They, they will engage more because that's something that is done without question very well in the United States, as you made reference before, and, and elsewhere. And I think that that's, that's something that needs to become, you know, more of our, how can I say, more of our sort of cultural appreciation in terms of those, you know, those kinds of, those kinds of initiatives. Okay. Um, Jacques, just about the Scholars Program, what, what was that? Okay. So, um, we have actually created a Scholars, uh, it's the, the, the Scholars, the Library and Archives Canada Scholars, I would like to say that those are essentially individuals which we recognize for their outstanding contribution, Canadians who have dedicated their lives to the creation and promotion of our country's cultural and literary and historical heritage. Okay. And the first set of recipients were Roque Carrier, 
sorry, first set of recipients, I'm going to go back to last year, essentially, yeah. was Marie-Louise Arsenault, Ronald Cohen, Lawrence Hill, Francis Itani, and Sheila Rogers. Okay. All well-known in their individual rights and all quite, quite diverse backgrounds as well. This year, which we had to postpone from our what was to be our April 22nd event, but we've decided we will hold that event next year on April the 22nd, 2021. Okay. And those who have already been informed and we've advised publicly are Roque Carrier, Margaret Atwood, Charlotte Gray, Serge Royal, and Terry O'Reilly. Okay. Do you hope that these people will be ambassadors and will help you to achieve your goals in, in raising money and raising profile? Very good question here. Just by virtue of their DNA, Nigel, yeah. they appreciate the kind of things that we appreciate about Live Runner Cards Canada. So they may not have had an opportunity to be champions, to be ambassadors, as you say, to be individuals that will you know, cheer Library and Archives Canada for the great work that it does, but also be willing to engage more actively in sharing who we are, what we are, and hopefully participate in some of our programs. And my hope is that over time, you know, our roster or the alumni of our scholars will create, you know, a very dynamic group of individuals, you know, and create that, that you know, critical mass to share more of that across the country as well. Good, okay. Um, and so that's an important part of our, of our, of our program. Yeah. And I hope that one day it has the same kind of distinction as we see, you know, other performing arts awards or when we're looking at, you know, Order of Canada. Because the individuals I just named to you, of course, they've been recognized in, in many ways. But here we have a national institution mm -hmm. that applauds them, that recognizes their value, and, and praise that they do more of what they've been doing, you know, for, for Canadian history, for Canadian heritage, and for sharing messages, and including Library and Archives Canada in that as well. Well, and also, hopefully, I know some of them definitely recognize the fact that this is a, this is a bit of a national, I don't want to be too severe, but it is a bit of a national embarrassment, and we need to correct that. Well, I don't look at it that way, Nigel. I mean, I appreciate it from your critical eye, and you've been at this a long time. I'm, along with my, you know, with our board members, we are looking at the remarkable things that have gone on in spite of some of the challenges that we've had, let's put it that way. Okay. But how phenomenal it is that we had, you know, Guy Bertium really setting a fantastic course, navigating Library and Archives Canada at a moment where there were some difficult issues that were that were obviously there. Yep. I look at Leslie Weir who comes at it also with just such a keen and intelligent eye and the passion as well and and, and being able to recognize the value of what Guy Bertium, you know, had begun in that effort to move the institution forward. Yeah. But I could also add one other element here is that I love the fact that Leslie Weir is bringing a new dimension to this from her remarkable background, obviously, as someone in the library sciences. So our board, yeah. you know, includes Blake Goldring from, from Toronto, uh, someone very well known in the business community there. Blake has been involved in the business community AGF. He had um, 
one of the you know most significant roles in that organization, that company, and he's someone that has a strong business background, understand the, understands the world of investment, understands the world of of also um, uh, institutions. I think overall, and when I uh, when our board initially was you know was was brought to the attention that you know here is someone we would want to include from from the Toronto community, we were just delighted that, that he had accepted. And already, I mean, he's one of our newest members on the board, but he's added such such a remarkable value also because of the work that he does um, in Canada's military. He has an honorary position also in that in that context. Okay. Um, then we have Michael Adams, who is, you know, a, a former banker, someone who is very well known here in Ottawa, but has a background from Montreal, a very distinguished background in banking. And in New York as well, he was a past president of the food bank here in Ottawa. Uh, he is known to many, and he's just a remarkable individual as, as well. Uh, Kind-hearted and appreciates the value of his, we appreciate the value certainly of his expertise, because his his role essentially is, is one where he is a responsible and chair of our, our finance committee. Okay. And then Dr. Roseanne O'Reilly-Runta who is the past president of Carleton University, also remarkable career in Canada, uh, leading institutions such as Victoria College. She also, she was, prior to becoming president of Carleton University, she was at Old Dominion in Virginia. I had the privilege of working with Roseanne when she was, um, she was coming on board as the president of Carleton University. I was then uh, becoming the chair of the Board of Governors at Carleton. And she's now the, the the CEO president of the Canadian Foundation for Innovation, and just a remarkable appreciation also of, of the arts and and also uh, business communities. And uh, she has done her share of remarkable fundraising over the years. I may I may say. And then we have Kevin Hansen, who is the publisher CEO of Simon and Schuster Canada. As you would know, Simon & Schuster being a global publishing company. Foreign, yes, foreign. It, Kevin <laughs> is well known in the arts community. Okay. Uh, a number of years ago, Simon & Schuster had the ability of being able to actually publish in Canada. It was a good decision by the Canadian government because there are specific rules on, on the book, on book publishing in this country. And he's already you know demonstrated 10 times over the, the incredible value that that has added for our authors in Canada become more widely known in Canada and also internationally. And we needed someone who knows books, understands these sure. things, and has the kind of passion that Kevin has. So yep. how wonderful it is to work with him as well. And then we have Robert Giz, who is a former premier of Prince Edward Island, Maritimer, <laughs> someone from Atlantic Canada that knows the ins and outs and appreciates the value of our Canadian institutions. Uh, Robert is just so remarkable and so enthusiastic, and someone that that you know comes at it with a, with such a a good-hearted manner, and has really helped us out as well. An untainted politician, precisely so. <laughs> and then Shelley Ambrose. I mean, Shelley is known to so many across the country. What a remarkable woman she is! How phenomenal it is that. Canadians have been the beneficiary of her great work for many, many years, from her years in, in radio, the CBC, from her years in, in working with the publishing community as, as, a, as a writer, and just a remarkably innovative person 
who took on the walrus as you know as she did growing that foundation as she did making that magazine so so ultimately canadian in so many ways and really you know creating i think one of the most iconic names in in publishing as she has and that organization is now is, is now benefiting she's just stepped down from the walrus and so how grateful we are that while she is so engaged in many ways she is so focused on on our activities at the foundation and i have to add as well that you know shelly is is chair of our scholars advisory committee and that's a big responsibility because we we recognize just the significant focus of of our of our foundation in that you know in that field right now mm -hmm. and then ronald cohen ronald i cohen yes just so so brilliant in so many different ways um churchill's bibliographer precisely precisely and you know that and anyone that knows of churchill that recognizes you know from an academic perspective will all know the amazing three volume bibliography that that ron had written and had been published i believe it was by oxford university press a number of years ago and is this seminal work really of, of the bibliography you, of Churchill, but he's also written many fantastic articles. But Ron is also someone who loves Library and Archives Canada, and how closely he worked with Marion Scott when she was a librarian, and how they've known each other a long time, I think, which also motivated him, and he was a friend of a library. So it was clear we needed to have Ron on this foundation because he had such a long history and a corporate memory of these things, and he's a great motivator and and uh someone who's donated you know a very important collection as we talked about earlier the yes. Maud montgomery collection which he donated now you know it must be at least almost 20 years that he had that he had done that yeah uh, and continues to be a great friend to library and archives archives canada and how well known he is also he was the the past chair of the president i think it was his role at the uh, canadian broadcast Stand standards council so that all brings tremendous value to our board. And then Rory Capern. Rory Capern is just an outstanding young entrepreneur who was um, over the years involved in Google and, and actually has recognized from the work that he did at, um, at the Weather Channel, I guess I guess it was uh, Palmaris is, a, is the, the company, you know, the potential opportunities for dealing with our information and sharing that on various sites and other locations that we might not think of otherwise. So he's involved in some of that, but he was a former director uh, of Twitter Canada and, you know, appreciates the nature of all of these new and innovative social, you know, social platforms that I think will benefit us. And we are working very closely with a number of institutions now and organizations in the media sector through, you know, through the work that uh, Rory does and, you know, through some of our, our other board members as well. And, you know, clearly I have to say, you know, Leslie Weir, while she is, uh, you know, she's not per se on the board, she obviously is by virtue of her presence and an important one to, you know, to engage meaningfully with us in her role as a librarian archivist. And Carol Schwinard, who is our honorary general counsel, someone who has had lots of experience with charitable institutions from her work, and she is one of my partners at Galling WLG and adds tremendous value. So we're very grateful also for the support of those from within Library Archives Canada working closely you know, with us 
which includes uh, Linda Savoy and also Renee Harnden, who had you know lots of value. And I can name a whole bunch of other other names. Sure. As well. Okay, so I've got one question here. Have you given each one of these directors a fundraising quota? So that is a um, <laughs> that's an interesting question to raise. Well, let me let me share with you. We will hopefully this time next year have an additional, certainly two, probably three additional directors, so that we really have the you know, the additional representation that we want. And I can tell you, we're looking at some outstanding directors. And, and as you would imagine, we have a matrix of characteristics, strengths that each of these board directors have so that we maximize on that as much as possible. As you will appreciate, Nigel, and I'm sure from your experience as well, there are some board members that play very significant roles in one area, but less so in another. Yeah, yeah. Yet everybody on this board recognizes the importance of actually reaching out to those with whom they believe they have an ability of being able to to reach out and you know and seek funds yeah so everyone will have that role to say that we have a quota you know i've been on foundation boards i've been on a number of boards i've never been given a quota <laughs> but i know what we look for and what we want to sure do. Maybe you should maybe should start something. He makes their own contribution sure. as well. But there's there's no doubt that among the requirements is the ability of being able to, like any you know foundation board, seek and ensure that the funds that we acquire will add value to the institution that we you know we wish to assist. Sure. When I first heard about this, I thought, well, why doesn't Library and Archives Canada have a director of development? Like, are they going to hire someone like that? Precisely, we will. One of the things that we are doing, and we're also really careful, this is a hardworking board. Yeah. This is a board where we are engaging because we are starting off. These are early days. I can tell you that the board at our last retreat in November had a phenomenal presentation by Tom DeQuino, who oh, is yeah. Yeah. well known nationally. Yeah. For, for his remarkable work yeah. in a number of fields in the business community. And until a few months ago was the chair, I think for some almost 20 years, chair of the National Gallery Foundation. So when he came to meet with us and provided us with, a, with his hour presentation, which we did not want to end because it was so interesting, right. it told a story, and it told a story of those earliest moments in the history of the foundation of the National Gallery. And it also demonstrated to us that we need to be patient. We can't do everything overnight. They have raised millions of dollars. The foundation has added paintings to the collection that wouldn't otherwise be there. It has actually accessed funds through, you know, from banks, from you know, major companies in Canada, and and philanthropy clearly that we see from many Canadians is alive and well as a result of the great work that uh, that Tom did, and, and as I say, Michael Adams, who's also on that board, and others on that foundation. So we want to learn from that. Okay. We will have a uh, director of development. We certainly do an advancement. We want to have that. But we have to have enough funds to be able to do that. And I would rather for this moment that the you know money that we are able to access from Canadians and from companies and others, as, as you, you mentioned, 
go into specific funding for going to you know particular initiatives and programming. And once we have the solid base, clearly we will want to make sure that we have someone that addresses that advancement constantly with the kind of organization that the foundation has at the National Gallery. I'm going to use the example also of the National Arts Center. I mean, it's so remarkable. I'm very fortunate to have a great relationship through some of the work I've done over the years, also the National Arts Center with Jane Watson. And so we compare and share notes. And I think we just have to be patient um, as to how we do that so that our funds are best utilized at this time for what it's really intended for. Okay. So one of the challenges is to find billionaire bibliophiles. How are you going to do that? Well, we're doing some research work. You're, you're touching on a really good point because one of the things that is clear to us is that we have to find those that love books, those that feel it is part of their fabric, and those that then will understand the need to give. You know, well, yeah, and I think, Jacques, also, those who love Canada. Absolutely. Well, and look, I think that we're in a most fortunate position, Nigel. We are truly, you look at it for what we hold, we're the gallery of everything. Yes, yes. We are the yes, everything gallery. Yes. You name it, we have it. Well, that's what's so fabulous about books, you know, isn't it? It's... It's not easy to necessarily uncover at times because you've got this magnificent preservation center one, which is in Gatineau. There's another one. Only occasionally do we get to see some of that collection. Although I have to say we're doing pretty well on the digitization, but we can do a lot more. I mean, there's such a small percentage right now. But just think of it. When we go to someone who loves books, yes. well, we can talk about the books we have. We can talk about the Jacob Lowy collection, which is one of the most magnificent collections in the world of, you know, Judaica books. But we have that here in, in you know, here in yes, Canada. Yes, yes. one of the most remarkable, which was a, a gift of many years ago from Jacob Lowy, who has a, had a true passion for books, which really go back to, you know, to the 1500s, 1400s. Yeah. What yeah. we're seeing there is amazing. But then we also look at some of the other collections, and we, we will be very careful and very mindful that when we approach someone, we're going to try to approach them on what it is that they love. As we talked about sports before, yeah. we're going to go to someone who loves sports. If they, we go to someone who loves sports, this is what we collect. If it's someone who loves maps, this is what we collect. If it's music, it's this. If it's yeah. the arts, look at these magnificent portraits we have. Yes. And so, you know, and on and on. So the we're very lucky with this collection to go for anything. As we've said, you can go to each different industrial sector and present amazing collections on shipping and mining and uh, farming and Absolutely. you know everything and the railroads yeah railroads, yeah which built this country yeah Here we are we have things that they would not imagine we have well that's the thing isn't it and that's the we've case. got we've got them and most people don't know it that's right and the thing is when they give Nigel when they give they're grateful that they've had that opportunity to be able to give it. There's a remarkable uh, story I'm going to share with you. I mean, and, and it really resonated very much with me when I first heard it. You know, an individual dies three times. An individual dies when that individual is no longer 
living, not with us. An individual dies when those that knew that individual, the last one that knew that individual, dies. And then the third time that individual dies is when no one utters the name and no one sees the name and there's no recognition of that name. So we give the gift of being able to make sure that when they add their value to an institution, they get to live for a long time, and we are their beneficiaries. Well, that, that holds true for books, like your children's books. As long as they're around, you're not dead. Well, thank you very much for adding that. And there are messages in there that I hope live for a long time. They live for a long time. That's what motivated me to, to write those children's stories. And in fact, there, there will be a, another one that was really built on a lullaby that my mother wrote many years ago, which will be coming out next spring. And I'm hoping that uh, if we can somehow continue the tradition, that that launch in Canada will take place at Library Archives Canada's facilities. But it will be a launch that will take place in New York. But it's true. I mean, the idea of books is... They can last, they can live forever. And what's remarkable is the messages that are shared at a moment in time will also change from moment to moment. Yeah. You know, books that didn't have the relevance they may have had at one time become more relevant. And, you know, they go up and down. But the fact is that they are out there and they're, they're worlds that, that basically continue. And we allow them to continue by reading them and thinking about them. Well, it's like books about the Spanish flu. So uh, let's hope that the flu disappears, not magically, but through science and, and uh, cooperation of Canadians. And that uh, the next time uh, we talk, it's, uh, it's in person. I so hope so, and I so look forward to that. And I'm, I'm really grateful to you for, you know, for giving me the opportunity to share this. Nigel, I know you're doing great work and how, how terrific it is that you provide your bibliophile vehicle in the way that you do for, for Canadians and I know beyond our borders as well. You know, I have to say one other, you know, one other point, if you may let me. When we look at the challenges we have and we look at the protests that are taking place in Canada, in the United States, and elsewhere, by virtue of the racism that has obviously become more obvious to us. It's there, but it just became so much more obvious after the, the killing, I have to say, of, of George Floyd. Murder. So my sense is that gives us even more of a reason to do what we are doing. We need to look at this head on. We have to engage in understanding who we are and what we are more so. You know, I am confident, God willing, I am confident that we will have a vaccine soon enough where we'll be able to have the antidotes that are necessary to deal with COVID-19. I'm not as certain that we can come up with an injection you know, to inoculate a vaccine that'll address racism. I wish we could. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Hatred, prejudice, and racism. So as we likely won't be able to do that, then our mission becomes that much stronger to work on the things that we are through such vehicles as Library Archives Canada, through universities, through others, that I'll obviously have a role to play with our politicians, with every individual clearly, 
to make sure that we are better for it from what we learn and what we appreciate from our past so that our future is going to be a better one. Very good. Now, is there a website? Yes, there is. And I'm hoping that by the moment you put this, this uh, <laughs> podcast out there, it will be up and running. Okay. We are in the midst of just finishing off you know, the details of it, but I'm confident that in the next, next couple of days it will be up. Great. So what is the new address? Lackfoundation.ca. Very good. Jacques Shore is a lawyer and partner with Gowling WLG's Ottawa office and chair of the Library and Archives Canada Foundation. Thanks very much for being here with me. Nigel, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. All the best to you and stay safe. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye.